Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now, as you know from yesterday's episode with Jen from False Advertising, I spent the last few days at the incredible 2000 Trees Music Festival. During my time at the festival, I spoke to a number of bands and this means I've put together a number of specials for you guys at home. And this is the second part following on from Jen's live podcast. This on today's episode is a collection of the interviews that I did during my time at the festival. And on today's special, we've got Dead Pony, Hellas for Heroes and the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. Three very different bands, three bands that everyone was talking about all weekend. For me, as a huge fan of Hellas for Heroes, I was so excited to see them on the main stage and honestly, they blew everyone away. Dead Pony are one of the most talked about bands of the whole weekend and my interview with Damien from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion to close today's interview is personally one of my most deep and meaningful conversations I've had at a festival, probably in the time that I've done Mark and Me. So I feel like I've got something special for everyone today and a bit of everything. So what I want to do today to start everything off is to get to my interview with one of the most exciting bands of the weekend, Dead Pony. I get to sit down and talk with singer and guitarist Anna and the bassist Liam and we get to talk in great detail about their history and so much more. So what I want to do now is to get straight to that interview. So here's me and Dead Pony talking all things music. Welcome to the Mark and Me podcast. Right now we're at 2000 Trees. The sun is out and I'm here with Dead Pony. Welcome both of you to the Mark and Me podcast. Hi. Hello. First of all, how the hell are you both? I'm bloody great, yeah. As you said, sun's out. We don't get that often in Glasgow recently. Yeah. I'm feeling great. We feel well rested and we're excited for our show. Yeah. Yes. Not our show, the festival. <laughs> just you. The whole just 2000 us. Trees is just you guys. Um, one thing I like to do when I get a band on the podcast, and it kind of helps me engage in you a bit more, but know where it all came from. So what I think is really important, when I was a kid, I remember like saving up with my pocket money from doing a paper round to buy my first album. It was like Green Day. I'm 41. Not, uh, I'm an old granddad to you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was that first album that each of you bought that made you fall in love with music? I mean, oh my God, mine isn't as cool as Green Day. Mine is like... I saved up my lunch money to buy the Hannah Montana album. Who I wasn't was on, expecting that. Who was on the Disney Channel, and I used to love her so much. And now she's a pop icon, so I guess that kind of worked out. Mine was, I think I was in Asda with my mum, and I really wanted the Jay Z Blueprint album. Oh, nice. Yeah, I begged her to get me it, and she got me it. That's so, so I went, cool. I went home and listened to that on my um, CD player. Is that the like portable one or? Yeah, the wee portable one. I remember she got me that for my birthday, and she also got me an acoustic guitar, and I couldn't decide which one I wanted to listen to more. Aww. So I was. Do like, you remember those CD players that had like anti-shock, and it was like telling you that if you move it like this, maybe I'm maybe I'm again showing my age, but if you were listening to a song and it shook it a little bit, it would completely fuck up. Yeah. That was yeah. the yeah. worst days. Yeah. yeah, I remember that like the actual portable CD players yeah. that you would carry about with you, but you couldn't put it outside no. in your pocket. Yeah kids listening now are like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. like we just have streaming but yeah so it all changed for me when i went to my first ever live show um god i went to see like green day and then i saw corn and limp biscuit and oh, these like amazing. really huge bands that like blew the roof off the building and there was something really special about it because my ribs were shaking the hairs on my neck were sticking up but it really made me want to be in a band what were those first shows it can't be uh, hannah montana for you the what was that first gig you went to that was like, do you know what? I just want to be in a band. The first gig that I went to was. And be honest, if it's not cool, then no, you the, can't say. the first gig I went to with, was with my dad. It was Leonard Skinner's. Oh my god. Um, so obviously, there was only one original remaining member. But it was Leonard Skinner in Glasgow in the Armadillo. And it was the loudest gig I've ever been to. In fact, Blair from the band was also there. Yeah. Um, it was the loudest gig I've ever been at. My ears were like ringing for days after. And I think I must have been 12 or 13. But after that, I remember thinking, man, that is, that is cool. Yeah. Just like these American guys rocking out. I was thinking, yeah, that's cool. That's a hell of a good show to start. Yeah. 
For me, it must have been when I was 14. I, it was one of the first gigs I ever went to on my own without my parents. And I went with like my school friends. And we went to see My Chemical Romance. Unbelievable. At the SECC. And I was in love with Gerard Way, like in love with a man. And it I was am like, too secretly, <laughs> like a man crush. Like I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm telling this to thousands of people right now, but he's beautiful. He is beautiful and he's a great performer. And I remember it just being like life changing, just feeling like this is the industry that I, I want to be Gerard Way and I want to be in a band and I want to put on a show in the same way that he does and make people feel the way that he makes people feel. That's beautiful. And then was that the moment that you kind of thought to yourself we can be in a band or was it much later on? It was much later on. I, I um, at that point, didn't play many instruments. I, I was into music. I'd played violin on and off, but I think it was at that point that I asked my mum to get me a guitar for Christmas and I started writing like really crappy songs. Um, but I wasn't really in a band until I was like in my 20s, really. Um, before that, I just used to write songs in my bedroom and maybe stick them up on YouTube, but like that was it, really. So, so how long was it until you two kind of met? Uh, so we met when I w you were 19 and I was 21. Yeah, so we, I mean we had played in bands separately yeah. um, for a few years just in and around Glasgow, sort of local bands, playing local gigs. And then, yeah, we were both just kind of looking to start something new and came together and yeah the rest is history <laughs> as they say as they say how does it feel to be at a festival like this and see yourself on a poster with these incredible huge bands you know literally bands for me like hell is for heroes bands i've listened to all my life um i'm literally trying to think of the bands now soft play all these great bands that you've grown up with or you've listened to yeah and do you kind of look at yourself and think this is fucking awesome. Like, I'm going to frame this on my bedroom wall. Like, is this like yeah. a pinch myself moment? I think, uh, yeah, of course. Like, I do. It's quite a, pr a privilege and an honour to see yourself light on the same lineup as these bands. But I don't know, for me, there's always a sense, there's still a sense of like doubt that you're yeah, not like as worthy. Syndrome, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you're not as worthy as these people. Or, I don't know. I think there's always going to be a bit of doubt in my head. It's nice, though, because like, we do the festival or we've been doing the festival circuit every summer for like a few years now and like every t every year our name is like slightly higher up on the poster and then on oh, the next one it's slightly higher up again so it, it's nice to like play these festivals and like to share stages with people that we idolise like there's the guy from Eagles of Death Metal they're playing I've literally just on. interviewed him for oh my 25 God. minutes and I'm still not over it I walked out there and I'm like He's so cool. Blair, Blair uh, bumped into him in the food tent earlier on, and they got a picture together. And like the nicest guy I think so I've cool. spoken to. And like that's yeah. th like this is the look at him just chilling, I know, just like <laughs> cutting about. There he goes. But that's the thing. It's like how like we just I feel like such a pleb. I'm like <laughs> like this guy that I idolise is just standing right there, and yeah, it's a weird feeling. It's amazing, and that's what I was going to say. Like, do you kind of set yourself a target that like you see yourself on a bill, and you then go to that kind of festival or a support slot for another band and your, it's your kind of moment to shine and kind of people might not be here to see you yeah. but then you know that they might walk past and you can be like let's put on an amazing show and hope they leave saying who was that band because I want to check them out yeah. absolutely that's the good thing about festivals it's like there's something like 15,000 people here this weekend and like obviously you know only a, maybe a couple of hundred people will be like oh I'm going to go see Dead Pony but the, the yeah. amount of people that will just walk past the tent and come in it's like such a good opportunity to engage with new fans and like just yeah. to make new fans and like meet other bands and stuff as well I think 2000 Trees seems like a total festival where everyone just loves music and, yeah. and is like actively seeking trying to like discover new bands as well there doesn't seem to be this kind of I don't know like I love all festivals and I'm, there's no word bad mouth in these festivals they're, they're brilliant but Download is all about metal. You know, it's getting a little bit better now and they're letting more punkier and yeah. sort of emo bands come abroad. But it's very like, you wouldn't get, I can't imagine like Paramore playing Download. It's just like, it's metal now. Yeah. It's yeah. really- Especially not Paramore these days. Not the new Paramore, no. Yeah. And um, here, the range of bands that are on the lineup, there is really someone for everyone. But no one's kind of being obnoxious. No one's kind of looking down on other bands. I can go and watch literally a mellow acoustic guy on the stage up there in a little forest. And then I can go and watch Bullet For My Valentine on the main stage. 
but everyone is still happy just to see live music. It feels like this really good celebration of just bands in existence. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the thing. Like to me this feels like a festival where everyone is here for the music. And because it is like a rock festival, it's an alt festival. There's a culture here that is different from like the cultures of other more mainstream festivals. I feel like a lot of festivals, people go just because they want to go to a festival and yeah. camp and have a great time. Whereas this festival to me feels like it's all about the music. I feel like everyone's pretty like-minded in a sense and that, yeah, they all, they all have similar tastes, I would say. You... Sorry. No, on you go. I was just going to say, and it's it's nice to be on a lineup where the music is a bit heavier because this is the first rock festival we've played, and often when we play festivals, we find that like we think, oh, our music's maybe a wee bit too heavy for this, or we feel a bit out of place because we think we are a heavy band, but we also have a lot of like pop influences. So sometimes we think that like we don't fit on some of the lineups, whereas this is just like the perfect lineup, like for the whole weekend. Yeah. So when I ask this to some bands, they always try and play it cool and they're like, no, no, but do you guys get nervous? Like before you went on and knowing that you've got to play in front of so many people, do you still kind of sit there and get butterflies or feel sick or don't eat because you're like, oh my God, we've got to try and really win this crowd over or we don't want to fuck up? I get nervous the smaller the crowd. So if yeah. I walk out and there's only a hundred people there, I'll get really nervous. But if I walk out and the and the tent is packed, yeah. then I won't be nervous at all. Um, so I think it really just depends on the show and like how many people people are there and how like how into it they are. Because if people are standing there with their arms folded and not really clapping or like yeah. engaging with you, it can be it can like really put you off. But it's funny because every time before like me and you before we go on yeah. stage, we're, we're like right, let's go pee and we go pee. And then before we walk on stage, we're both like, oh my god, we're about to piss ourselves like with nerves or excitement maybe. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you walk on, after the first song, it just you're in, you're in the zone and you don't need to pee anymore. <laughs> Is it kind of your consciousness goes? You don't really know. You don't even like. You kind of don't take a step back and watch yourself performing. You're just you're just too involved. You're just too mentally invested in that moment. So you're kind of kind of lost in yourself. You just kind of let yourself go. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like a completely different person on stage than I am off stage. It's like a switch goes off and I like almost black out and just perform the songs and do what feels good. And then when I come off, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I did that. Like if you told me right now that I would be walking through a crowd of like a thousand people and screaming in their faces I would be like I can't do that <laughs> it's crazy I've had um, Rao from Enter Shikari on recently and he was saying that kind of feels like he's wearing a mask because he goes on stage and then he gets to finally take it off and then be a completely different person yeah. so I said to him well which is the real you is it the one on stage or is it the one that was leading up to the stage but I suppose for you guys what's ever happened in your day however good you feel or however shit you feel that moment you take to the stage you both need to become someone you're not really isn't it yeah. it's like yeah. it's not an act but you need to switch something that makes you yeah. relish the moment because yeah. no one wants to see someone on stage like I'm a bit fed up this yeah. is terrible yeah. you need to entertain yeah. yeah and that's the thing as well like we're very conscious of the fact that we do need to entertain but I think as well like if we are on tour for instance for a month and we're exhausted and it's the last couple of shows even when we go on stage, we're still having the best time of our lives just because we love performing so much. Like, regardless how tired we are or hungover or exhausted, like, we're never not enjoying the shows. It's like, as soon as you walk onto that stage, you just get this, it's like a drug, like, you get this, like, feeling, this high that you can't replicate anywhere else. And it just, like, it makes you feel invincible. Absolutely. But isn't that amazing because it leaves you hungry, like, yeah. you'll do today's show you'll leave and kind of be on a come down like yeah. I need that fix again I need that hit like for sure. even if it's a small gig in a fucking youth club for 50 people yeah. I just want to get back up and do what we just did again yeah, yeah totally it's, it's like a sense of kind of escapism almost because like, you go on there and like as you were saying if you were having a bad day or anything like that just goes out the window and you're just focused on like now I feel like that's quite rare um, and like today's society as well, you don't really focus on like what's happening right now because you're so focused on like social media and all that. That yeah, it's it's a really good feeling. That's why we do it. Yeah. yeah. 
I can hear Kid Capiccio starting now. Can you hear them? They're one of our favourite bands. I've had They're them on the so podcast. Good. Oh. Like, genuinely lovely guys and just really fun. Um, yeah. My final question for you both and what I do on the podcast and I do it to everyone that comes on is basically you get to choose the last song that's played. Uh, it can be any band, any song, but a song that means a lot to you. There's two of you today. You can both choose a song and then after when I'm editing, I'll pick the one I like best. But uh, is there a song that means a lot to you that you would love to be played after today's interview with you both? My favourite song at the moment, or not at the moment, it's been my favourite song for a while, but I really love Brody Dahl and I love The Distillers. Um, so a song that I've been really into recently is Drain the Blood. I just think it's like such a powerful song and it like speaks so much to the industry and I think to women in the industry. So I really love that song. I was song. meant to see them at Download Festival. I was so excited and then they pulled and I was like, ah, oh, I, I feel know. like I'm never meant to see them. I like, know, it's a band that I'm like dying to see, but I feel like I'll never see them in my lifetime, but they're un Unbelievable. And what about yourself? Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I've actually been digging. Um, I was going to say new Willow album. I suppose it's not that new anymore. But Willow's album last year, I think it came out. Um, the opening song on it, the name of it's gone out of my head. Um, I'll get it off Spotify yeah. and I'll add it in. The but, opening um, song of the album. I'm so impressed by her because she's like kind of up against it because of her famous family. Yeah. But she can play guitar. She loves Smashing totally. Pumpkins. She's a really good songwriter. Yeah. She loves metal. Yeah. And people are like, oh yeah, but it's just because you've got a famous dad. Yeah. It's like, no, strip it back. Forget her name, forget who she is. Listen, because this person has talent. Yeah, she does. And her mum was in a metal band as well. Do you know what I mean? There's a video of her covering one of her mum's songs. I think it's called like Bleed All Over or something. Yeah, it's oh, it's unbelievable. It's such a great song. I've just been told by Haley in the background that we've got to wrap up. But oh, okay. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, good luck Thanks with the rest of the year. It. It's a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you. And uh, have a, we'll, we'll catch up over the weekend. But have, have an amazing uh, set. And thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so much for much. having Cheers. us. Thank you. I'm living on steady faith. Kind of likes to restrict your breath. Never been a better time in this Suffocating out when you're torn up bliss in a city This wasn't so much a You see me rise above and take its place The heart wants until it dies Drain the blood, the heart is wise All my friends are murdered Hey, all my bones are marrows in All these things want teenage rage All my friends are murdered So there's my first interview with Deb Pony. Both of them were absolutely lovely, so much energy, and their performance was incredible. People were talking about them all weekend, and they're definitely a band to watch out for. I can't wait to see them get bigger and better, and the crowd for them was huge, so honestly, they're the band to watch for me. Next up is a classic band that have been going over 20 years, and the first band that I ever interviewed in my world of journalism, and I'm thrilled to announce that I'm joined by Will and Justin from Hell is for Heroes. If anyone has ever listened to Mark and me, or met me, or had a beer with me, or is just a friend of mine, Hell is for Heroes in my top five bands of all time. I've said it on many podcasts, but I truly believe The Neon Handshake is the best debut album by any British band. But to have the opportunity to sit down with both Will and Justin face to face, when remember they've been on the podcast before previously but separately, and to sit and talk all about their set only moments before they went on, for me is a dream come true. The interview's great, we even get to talk to Justin's son, and their set for me was one of the best of the weekend. Absolutely timeless. Justin as a frontman is just incredible. My eyes are never off him when he's playing, they're just an amazing band. The sound was awesome, they had a great crowd, they played an amazing set list, and you might just get a bit of an exclusive during this interview, so if you're a fan of Hellas for Heroes, hopefully you find out some information that you didn't know before. But what I want to do now is to get straight to it. So here's me and Hellas for Heroes talking all things 2000 Trees. I'm here with Headers for Heroes. I, um, both of you have been on the podcast separately before, um, but it feels nice that we've kind of all joined forces in the flesh today. It's better than Zoom and the old <laughs> yeah. school, but um, 
welcome to the podcast. We try and do that with rehearsals, like yeah. get get all together. It's quite tricky. Yeah. I feel like I've done well just to get both of you in the same place for 10 minutes. It's like an <laughs> achievement. Yeah, it goes, uh, well, it's a bit more regular now, but there were a couple of years where we kind of oh, kept on promising to meet up and just couldn't get it together. So yeah, this is a big one. Um, I saw last night on Instagram Live as I was sitting here, your guys killing it. And that's on an Instagram video live. But it looked like a, an amazing show last night where both of you must be knackered today because we are getting old, aren't we? It's not like the old days. <laughs> How was it for you last night? Yeah, it was good. We, uh, I think we first played that venue. It was one of our first ever shows about like, more than 20 years ago. So it was quite surreal going back there. Will knows this, but uh, I've been fans of you guys for over 20 years. And um, I was at your first ever tour. I had the first ever EP. I had all your singles as they came out. We used to buy the singles for like Night Vision on CD single and stuff. But I've seen you guys, but Will will remember this. You guys are the first band I ever interviewed to start this whole podcasting career. Wow. So that's pretty cool. We're, like we're to blame. Yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> I already apologised well. on, uh, on the previous episode. It's gone like this. It's now Sorry, everyone. Again, but, uh, how does it feel to now be back playing the festival? Because when you're looking at the poster, there's some great bands. This is a, last year we had Fry's Jimmy Eat World. This year we've got Bullet For My Valentine and stuff like that. You're high up on the bill. You're going on the main stage. It's quite an honour, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean... Uh, We've always loved playing tents, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess feels like a step up. It's uh, a huge step up, dude. It's not your little tent over there this year. It's main stage, three bands before the main headline, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, there's us as a dinosaur pile up, and then bullet. bullet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty nuts. Like so far down the line to be kind of playing such a big slot. It's pretty cool, man. But you know, like the shows we've been playing in March and April uh, February and March they felt really good like they felt better than before like each time we've although it's a bit more sporadic whenever we play now we seem to be able to kind of put more and more into it and it gets reflected by the fact that those shows kind of go well and we end up kind of doing some you know some festivals I think we've done like 2,000 trees on the back of a tour previously and just whenever they offered us the chance to come back I saw you with the um, 100 Reasons tour recently and honestly, I'm not just saying this, it's like you went away and then maybe missed what you were loving the most and then came back with all the less responsibilities of all this of like, we need to sell this venue out, we need to worry about ticket sales. And both of you, I truly mean this, felt like you were more hungry than you've ever been. Even when I saw you releasing uh, the Neon Handshake tour, you both looked happier than you've ever been. Yeah, I think it's, being in a band is like, you know, I think for us in particular, if you just like slog it out continually, it just wears you down, wears us down. Like when we just like pop out every now and then, it, everything just feels fresh again. Yeah. You, know, you just kind of, kind of can reconnect with the songs more easily. I think like, you know, yeah, just the audience just seems to like connect. It's just... I think like we, we when we when we were like touring regularly, we got to a point after about like not ten years maybe or the best part of a decade, where you just sort of think it just becomes like routine and like yeah. So that's I think that's part of the secret. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think as well? And um, I'm being completely transparent with you guys because I trust in you. But um, a bands that go on stage that are just getting through the set, ready to do the next one, it's like a full time job. The fans see through that. And I said this to you on your interview. I don't know if you've listened to it, Justin, but me and Will were talking quite open and honest. I felt that when you guys, before you announced your hiatus or whatever it was, you didn't do an official big statement, but I felt that you weren't into it anymore. And I mean that with full respect. I was watching Finn turning around with Back to the Crowd. I watched you all, yeah. and it wasn't the band that you were. And I mean that with full respect. I it, felt like you'd just all gone a bit stale. It just felt like we'd done it more than we wanted to. That was it, really. You know, and so whenever we'd done those last dates around that th third album, like we had all spoken to each other saying, let's just kind of do these last dates and really enjoy them. And actually that last tour was wicked. But you know, there were kind of tours where, you know, we, we'd signed to various labels in different parts of the world and they were all kind of saying, well, you've got to come and do a set of dates in Germany or whatever. And it, like, we just kind of had to drop whatever we were doing at home or in our life or if we were writing music and go and do a month in Germany and it yeah definitely got a bit bit tired and now it just feels like 
if we've got an, at, an itch, we kind of scratch it, and if we don't, we don't do anything. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also just made us feel like being in a band is, is like a real privilege. And uh, it's like anything, you know, if you just make it a treat, and then yeah. you then yeah. you appreciate then everyone appreciates it more. Otherwise, it just becomes like just regular and mundane. It's true, and I think what I really love about you guys now is that you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. You haven't got anyone with a big prod saying, right, this is EMI Records, you've got to go out there, you've got to do this in Vegas, you've got to do this tour, you've got to do that. You guys can literally say yes or no if you don't want to do something. <laughs> and to come here today and see you with your families and your kids, it's more of just a celebration of the music. It's not about some person telling you you've got to do it for a paycheck. So does that Definitely. make it more like a family day out? It sounds ridiculous, but... Yeah, it's kind of, it is a social kind of thing. We like hanging out and we want our families to kind of be together and stuff like that. Being able to do it and play like the main stage of like a super cool festival just feels like you've kind of like won a little lottery or something. It's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I think it's that you can share that. I saw you download a few years ago and you brought your son out on your shoulders. <laughs> but it was one of those moments that's like, your son's going to remember that forever. There'll be a photo in 10 years time that you can say, I did this for you, son. How cool is that? Do you remember Download? Do I remember what? The last festival. Yes, it was very fun, but I was only three years old. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Straight from the horse's mouth. I love this. You'll <laughs> listen to this in 10 years and be like, oh, cool, I actually did get asked about this. <laughs> this is awesome. But what, what a moment to share with your son. Like, you know, you're on that stage, you come out, and you get to see all these people, but he'll remember that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, that is special. That is really special. Uh, and yeah, also on the last tour, and hopefully today we're going to just have a troop of them up on stage. Doesn't be a whole stage full of kids. Just yeah. like, pretty much, it's cheaper than a light show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just like giving some Haribos and like, right. boom. Your kids are drinking Lucasade and Haribo. They're going to be wild. Yeah, man. yeah. It's going to be a. And we used to do. I remember when we used to do like really small club shows. There was like a point where we just really got into getting anyone up on stage we used to like encourage stage invasions but so i guess now the kids are just fulfilling that role definitely <laughs> one thing i really like about you guys as well is like you didn't do this whole like another celebration album tour and then be like we've recorded one song just so people still come and don't just try and cash in on the loyals you did two songs genuinely <laughs> larry larry literally 100 percent more yes <laughs> Larry made you guys sound amazing and crisp and the sound of the production was like how I wanted it to be when you went and worked with the Refused, I forgot, uh, Pele and Eskil. Yeah. And when you guys then released these two songs, it didn't sound like a band that were just doing it for the sake of it. It still sounded like the Headers for Heroes that I remember from 20 years ago. And was that a conscious choice to record with Larry because it kept this tight unit and this trust? Yeah, I mean, we know Larry really He's well. A good friend, isn't yeah, he? and we are fans of his production work as well. We respect him as a songwriter, you know. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Like we felt like we could fuck up around him as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he'd be honest with us. And yeah, we. It's like a friend whose opinion we respected. So whenever he uh, recorded it, it was really natural. The whole process was pretty quick. It felt good. Uh, and then the, the results kind of showed showed that it you know it That's all awesome. kind of worked well yeah it is and what I noticed is on the um, you know like Facebook Twitter and Instagram whenever you put anything out so I don't know if you read your own comments but all the comments are like is there an album coming uh, everyone keeps asking the same question you release the second single every comment when's the album are you recording or writing as we speak now I think yeah we actually are um, but yeah we're not I, I, we're not sort of we don't have like a kind of rigid plan we're just like writing when we can when we'll release when we can and I reckon it won't be long probably before we do have an album's worth of songs and maybe we'll do a little package that you know looks it's and feels like an album that you've got something up your sleeve he's like yeah maybe we have got enough material for an album well we're definitely going to have something uh, soon because we're going to go back on the road soon uh, are we allowed to say that? Uh, yeah, you just said yeah. I'm releasing it. Yeah, so yeah, we're 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 doing a little headline stint next spring, so we'll definitely have That's some awesome. uh, new material for that. That's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. taking any friends out with you or? Uh, I mean, I suppose Joe and Finn, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> if we have to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you must say, is there not like it's a, an extra cost, uh, but another, another tour? <laughs> we haven't quite decided yet, have we? Yeah. <laughs> Solo tour, guitar night with Will. All right. Uh, playing the wrist from Neon Handshake. Pretty good. Like play along, bring your guitar. <laughs> this is what it's all about. No, I mean it's a bit too early in our planning to kind of yeah. uh, to say whether we're, well who'll be coming with us. But yeah, we're we're writing new music and we've kind of given ourselves a deadline and stuff. Don't know whether it would be a full album or not, but yeah, we've got like quite a few ideas floating around that we're working on. So we've taken a little break from them to practice for these shows, and then we'll get back to it whenever we, uh, whenever this festival is is done. Really. Do you? And this sounds like a granddad podcast now, but do you feel it a lot more now? Like after last night, are you like, oh my god, we're gonna do it again tonight? And like jumping around, you're known for your stage presence, jumping around on the drum kit, doing flips. Are you now like, oh god, my arm aches a bit now doing it? Uh, do you know what? I think it's just so deeply embedded in our bones. Uh, that's the funny thing. Um, it just feels like every time we get in a room or get on stage, that it just feels like completely normal still. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter how, how long we go without playing. Um, but yeah, the writing thing is, is exciting because for a while we just did shows, you know, off and on. Uh, and writing is is completely different because then it just feels like, I guess, a proper new project, uh, which has a, yeah a buzz. But it's about like it. I really mean this without sounding like I'm kissing your asses. But it didn't sound like you guys went away, had all this time away. Because when you came back and did give us music and didn't just give us a tour, it is still the sound that I wanted from Hedis Heroes. It wasn't like who are these? Like they've just obviously lost touch of who they were and you won't like you didn't come back and sound like my chemical romance or write some sort of poppy album that was then going to be played on radio one you kept to your tradition of what makes hell is for heroes hell is for heroes you know you've got that amazing sound of you on guitar you've got tom joining it with his little licks that go over the top you've still got finn on bass driving it joe on drums hitting it hard and justin you still sound like you did 20 years ago like yeah it's full respect to you like yeah i'm i'm not trying to like win you over by praising you you deserve yeah, the you deserve the praise because I've heard bands go away and then release a song and it's like what are you guys doing like leave what you had it was a legacy why are you now trying to still do it 20 years later I feel like in the last 15 years or so we've our musical tastes have probably become more eclectic as we spent more time apart and stuff but whenever it comes to getting back in a room ultimately we do like making quite loud like exciting energetic kind of rock music and you know maybe I feel like those new songs are a progression from what we've done in the past but still the energy of the band the essence of the band is kind of is like that really loud kind of en energy really. yeah definitely and that, I mean rock music's not like football um, I think like in a way there is a way of like as you get older actually I don't know, if we, I don't know whether you get better but you kind of just do things maybe in like a slightly different way uh, I mean it definitely feels like we we can like play better now than we ever did um, yeah probably yeah. listen to each other more yeah definitely stuff like that it's like a, a married couple that took a real divide a separation <laughs> period come back and realize where it went wrong or what we should do differently respected what each of you have said in this marriage and then ironed out the things that didn't go right and now it just is plain sailing. <laughs> is that fair? Did you all get divorced and now you've all kind of got back together and missed each other? We're a very dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a big, big wedding here. There's a lot of people involved. But yeah. it must be nice. Like It must be like a trip down memory lane, but not, not with all the bullshit anymore. There's just no pressure. You know, there's no responsibilities apart from to have fun and enjoy it. So, and that's awesome. Yeah. Considering the opposite, when 20 years ago, huge record deal with EMI, constantly thinking, oh my God, like, what do they expect from us? Yeah, well, you can, I suppose you're just, yeah, you're kind of more, you're thinking about, you're thinking about the music that you're making and you want it to be as good as possible, but you're probably also thinking about sustaining it or kind of like letting people down or, you know, stuff like that. It's Not, beautiful. Now you don't really, we don't really have to worry about it all so much. Will you do a label back in for the next releases? Or you, I remember when one time you had Captains of Industry, a long time ago. Uh, do you well, feel like doing an independent label? I know you've got some work with 
the last releases, but have you got a backing or do you just want to go completely independent? We haven't really discussed it, is the honest the honest answer. I love how like and I mean this with full <laughs> respect, but like it's not organised, you're just doing what you want. Like I remember when I asked you if you were playing any festivals, you're like, I don't know, we might like maybe we'll do a festival. Well yeah, whenever we spoke. Yeah. I think you mentioned two thousand trees and then like a few days later that we got a call saying, do you want to play 2000 Trees? listen to the podcast yeah, maybe. So like, we can get Headers for Heroes. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So you owe me this. <laughs> this is because of me. We'll give you a shout out, man. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> guys, I think that we've got an exclusive here that you guys are going to be touring. There is going to be new music. I really appreciate your time. Um, I was on a podcast stage yesterday on live. They did like a recording, Free is the Magic Number. And someone in the crowd asked everyone that was on the stage, and he'll vouch me on this, the best debut album of all time. This is true. I said, Neon Handshake. Wow. I truly mean it. Correct. Nothing touches it. Uh, United by I Faith mean, I agree with school. you, but... <laughs> it's good. It's, it's a very good album. You should check it out. But I mean it. And you know how much I love you guys. It's definitely our best debut yeah. album. Yeah, you'll never top it. One, one of our best. Yeah. One of our best debut albums. Ever. But um, thank you for taking the time. You've probably got to get ready, eat some fruit, entertain the kids. But your time is sacred. Mate, and I thank you very it. much. Thanks nice for having thanks. us. And when you guys play in the UK, I'll come. Wicked. We'll sit down. I'll bring my wife. And we'll have a family event. And we'll sit there and we'll do a proper episode a bit longer. Yeah, sounds I'll great. I'll ask you the same questions. And yeah. we'll do it. Let's just do it over and over again. Again, again, every 20 years. <laughs> sounds good? good. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, boys. Amazing. Great. So there's my second interview of this three-part special, and hey, Headers for Heroes, what a band. I spent a lot of time on this episode already going over and over again about how much I love this band, but it's no secret, I adore them. I adore Will and Justin and thank them so much for taking the time. They didn't do much press at the festival, but to sit down and talk to me backstage just before they went on was just awesome, so thank you so much. And their performance, like I said, was amazing. Most of the band have now got kids and they were all on stage, jumping around, singing along. It was like a big family celebration, but their set was just amazing and I can't wait to go and now see them when they announce their UK tour very soon. Now to close today's 2000 special, I'm joined by the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. I'm joined by the singer Damien and this interview gets heavy, it gets deep, but it's the most honest and raw interview that I've done in some time and that's why I've saved it for the headline act of this special today. He's an incredible human being. This album that they've wrote is easily one of the best that I've heard and they're just a band that more people should hear about. I don't understand how they're not bigger, they're one of the best bands out there, they put them on the best live shows, and for me, I just want to see them get the recognition that they deserve. But this interview for me is something very special, and I'm going to share it with you all now. So here's me and Damien from the St. Pierre Snake Invasion, talking all things 2000 Trees. So Damien, welcome to the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Um, what I wanted to do for anyone that's listening today that might tune in and then discover your band is take it right back to the very beginning. Okay. So when you were growing up as a kid, can you remember that first album that maybe you got with Pocket Money or a friend gave you that made you fall in love with being in a band? Uh, I got... So my first memory my first memory of music is my first memory of film as well. So my parents had a... VHS copied from TV uh, version of Blues Brothers. Wow. And um, that was like my, my entry point and I just absolutely loved it. And so like blues was a big thing in my house and like rock and roll. But then my cousin, Chris, gave me some three cassette tapes, which were Iron Maiden Killers. Wow, this is pretty big already. E- extreme pornography. More, more Than Words is one of the most perfect <laughs> songs. Yeah. And uh, 
and State of Euphoria by Anthrax. The latter is like still one of my like go-to albums now, and um, and that was uh, just that like kind of succulent chug of uh, of those guitars, kind of sowed the seeds. I think. Kind do you of not? Do you not think those like those foundations are so big? How do you kind of build on that? Because you haven't just gone all oh, like I had Cooler Shaker, Stereophonics. You've gone boom straight yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, but it was just like there was a lot. There was always a lot of music and a lot of diverse music, and and um, kind of that, I suppose, informed infor- informed the decision to not just do like a kind of generic heavy band. I always wanted to kind of add in like where possible, like bits of you know, Billy Holiday's like a big influence for me, and like you know, try and add those influences in without trying to make them kind of really obvious like that yeah. I, I can hear them but like you're playing like homage to them instead of trying to like plagiarize the shit out yeah, of it exactly yeah. yeah so it's kind of you know and you know obviously with like that because we're a heavier band our, our heavier influences are more apparent yeah but like those kind of little nuances those little spices taken from other places are like what excites me about you know doing heavy music it's like, you know so what about live music as a kind of uh, a step then from listening to bands so I've said this too many times on the podcast, but my first proper gig was Green Day, Dookie Tour. Okay. And I was wow. blown away. I was like, this is yeah. fucking awesome. I'm showing my age no now, but I was like, wow, this is awesome. And only a few weeks later, I saw Corn and Limp Biscuit together in Wolverhampton. Oh, and wow. it was like, I want to be in a band for the rest of my life. I want to be like <laughs> yeah, Jonathan yeah, Davis. Yeah. But was uh, was yours embarrassing as a first gig? Or was yeah, it so my, you know, my mother, more so than my father, was like, you know, had my my dad had records but my mum was like really big into music and she was a big Bon Jovi fan and you know ergo I was a big Bon Jovi fan and uh, and, uh, and so much she took me when I think I was eight eight or nine she took me to see Bon Jovi at Cardiff Arms Park for the always tours like the greatest hits tour and I saw they were supported by there was a band called Crown of Thorns who I don't know well, what, what happened to them yeah yeah you know, who, who are they you know fucking seminal band they're listening now going yeah, yeah. fuck you we're still playing youth clubs <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there was thunder like you know the uk's you know premier hard rock 80s band and then van halen supported as well so it was Just like threw van halen in there yeah so it was like van halen and then bon jovi and uh, yeah it was fucking great like and it was just and um you don't think do things in small measures, do you? Like, <laughs> like Van Halen. Yeah. And I, I fucking love Bon Jovi. I think the guy's oh, fucking man. legendary. You've got so many bangers. Yeah. Like Dry County, Someday I'll Be Saturday Night. Like, Unreal. Massive tunes. I like, you know, like Slippery and Wet, Bon Jovi, New Jersey, some good songs on that. But like, you know, Keep the Faith has got some bangers on it. What, genuinely, I'm not just saying this now. What is he up to? Because I like feel like he's just gone away. And so he had a bit of a... He became a bit of a meme last year, I think, or this year, because there's been footage of him playing live where he, he hasn't quite got the register anymore. Oh. You know, like when Zeppelin did that show, yep. they t- dropped it down a few keys to make sure that Robert That Blank big comeback show, so it was like, he's not the same as he was 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like he doesn't have that register anymore because he's old as, old as fuck. I think... John, I can call him John because I've been a fan for a while. I love like, that. My <laughs> mate John, you know John. John B J. J B. Yeah. Um, as a, you can't yeah, say just, John B J. That's no, someone else completely. That's his, literally, that's his name though. I know, Johnny B J. I know. It just sounds like someone who's working in Weatherspoons who's like, oh, that's old Johnny B J. We all know Johnny B J. <laughs> yeah, we've there's, all there's one, there's one in every town, in every parish, Johnny B J. Yeah. yeah, I think he, 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 there was. Loads of videos of it, of of him singing poorly because they just haven't transposed down Someone to another Someone should tell key. him. Just send him an email. Look, you're great. Well, he's you're the a legend. Boss, man. Yeah. Like, I've seen interviews with Richie Sambora where, like, you know, we do real right, but like John's the boss. Yeah. So if John says this, and if John's saying now nah, we're keeping it, we're keeping it up here, he's not being told. You know. That's fair, man. And I can relate to that. That's no, that's kind of <laughs> I love this. I love this. I'm joking. I'm going to edit that so the laugh comes away and it's just you saying it and they'll be like, what an Please arrogant... Yeah, yeah. The, the, the lads in the band will be like, 
There's no edit there. They'll no, know. They'll that's know for it. sure. They'll be like, oh, here he is, true colors shining there, there's, through. There's um, a few bands that have really got my attention in the last few years, and annoyingly, none like one of them's no longer with us. But one of the best bands I think that this country's produced is Black Peaks. Okay. Uh, I think they're yeah. unbelievable, and they just put on this show that's great. We've had like Kid Capisci that have just yeah, come yeah. around and really took the thing. I swear to you now, go and ask Matt, go and ask Collie. I have said that your album is one of the best out there in the last five years. Oh, thank you very much. I truly mean this. Thank it's you very fucking much. incredible. But, and I mean this with full respect, I don't understand why you're not bigger. And take that with a <laughs> no, pinch of no. salt because I'm saying it because you're producing something that should be on a stage at Download in front thank of you very much. That's fucking very kind. thousands. Yeah. And sometimes there's a band that doesn't get the recognition and it doesn't mean you're not fucking deserving of it. It just doesn't happen at that moment. Yeah. And Black Peaks have gone. Hot Milk have grown at a huge rate where it's exciting. You guys should be next. I want to oh, see well, you get the fucking praise you deserve because that album has no filler. It's fucking brutal from start to finish and sounds like the same band I go and see when I buy a ticket to see well, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's important. That's very kind of you. I, I, you know, I think we've kind of been our, we've orchestrated this ourselves. I think, you know, the I, I was like a bit of a zealot back when this first began and I kind of romanticized the bands that I listened to and the bands that inspired me were bands that their audience grew after they left and, yeah. and and for whatever reason we've kind of I feel like I've always said that we we would be a band that 20 years after we finish people will go fuck me there was this band like you know, yeah. like, you know I've always said that like you know and 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 so I'm kind of at peace with it you know I would like to reach a, a larger audience but I just I don't know I don't know if that's on the horizon for us and I don't really mind anymore I kind of like you know the you saying that to me is success. Like, you know, that someone can listen to that album and appreciate it for the thought that went into it. And it's genuinely, dude, I don't throw this word around a lot. It's a masterpiece oh, of an album you. because so much thought's gone into it. The production is the same band that I go and see live. It's yeah. not 26 overdubs of a guitar yeah. that then when you go and see it, it's like, God, they sound weak as shit. Yeah. You still put on the show. The vocals are so raw on the recording is here. It's so crisp at the same time that when you go and see it live, it's like no one's told him to tune it down an octave. You, you, yeah. You've not got to the John Bon Jovi stage. No, there are bits that I sing instead of screaming because fucking... But you want to look after yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A too, it's a bit too hard, but yeah, that's that's really kind. And, I genu and sincerely, like in the same vein, like I'm not just saying this for like, you know, punk rock fucking points. Like it does, that's what will keep me going yeah. I, I thought that you know for the longest time I said that St. Pierre was going to be a three album band and then we'd fuck off and allow that process of people catching up to happen but the most exciting thing I love playing I love playing live it's great the most exciting thing to me about making music is making music and fucking challenging myself and going to places that I didn't think we were capable of doing which is or going I should say that's what this album was for us. It was like, we should, we've got no fucking right doing some of the things that are on this album. As if you listen to our last, our previous two albums, and then listen to this one, there's a chain running through it, but aesthetically it's so far removed. The from jump the last is one. massive, it, like, massive. And we've got no business, like songs like Midas, where it's just all electronic. We've got no business doing songs like that, but that's what I want to do. And that's what will keep me doing it. And and hopefully, you know, at some point people will, you know, more people will catch on. And if they don't, I still get the reward of like, go in, look at what, look at what we did together. Look at what we tried to do when, you know, like metalcore is really big at the moment and it would be very easy for us to kind of jump on that and try and get a wider audience, but it's not exciting. It's not what I want to do. And in 10 years time, I want to look back and go, we had, we were fucking brave, you know, yeah. not brave in like we were going to alienate an audience because we don't have a massive one, but brave in the fact that we fucking did what was true to us and carved our own little thing out amongst everything else. And that's, you know, for me is, is important. And for people to catch on to that, that sustains me enough to keep to keep wanting to do it so are you going to go back on it then now and you're not just a free band uh, sorry a free album no, band no yeah I'm totally yeah. I totally 
saw the error in my ways. I was just like, you know, you're such a fucking egotistical prick to, to stick to that. You know, there's four other people in this band who put as much into this as you, and to just go, well, we're, you're like, you've got this weird kind of like a time limit counter coming down I just had to have a chat with myself and like you sound like a teenager you sound like a teenager you're trying to put too much emphasis on this thing and you know but it's an important I think the thing to take away from it is that you acknowledge that so many yeah. people do that end it and then go oh fuck what was I doing exactly. five years later and yeah, it's yeah. too late exactly yeah and I, I, that, that was part of it was that it's like okay I always said like, we'll do. I'll do three albums and I'll go and do something else. I don't want to start again. I don't want to start again. Like you know, it's what, what wait another seven or eight years until I'm playing main stages at festivals again. And I'm not like I've done. You know, with all due respect to you know everyone, like I've paid my fucking dues. I've played enough toilet tours and fucking travel for eight hours to play to fucking no one. There's no joy in that. Like I've done. You know. When you're a kid, it's great, it's exciting. But like, I'm nearly 40 now. I'm not. I don't have the constitution to go back and start again and fucking, you know, beg, steal, and borrow to get a little bit further up the rung. You know, uh, so that's what I was like. We're at a great level. We can keep making music, keep playing to people, and and so why would we stop? You know, it's like in context, playing Golden Axe on the Mega Drive, mm, getting to great. the final Guardian. And hit and reset. Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't you beat that guardian? Then you can go on to Golden Axe Two. <laughs> if, if, Do you know no, what I mean? That like, is the perfect synopsis yeah. of, of, Do you know what of I mean? my if music. Your band uh, yeah. is a game. You're either Streets of Rage or Golden Axe, and hopefully you can kill that final guardian and get yeah. all those little blue potions exactly. and be like, that was worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, we, we will never kill the final guard, but no. like, you know, we'll keep trying. You but know, all, like, as yeah. long as you hack away. Exactly, and you yeah. don't use all the little blue potions. You never thought you'd be talking about this today, did you? No, no, no. And no, we've talked about like you know Blues Brothers yes. and Golden Axe. It's like all these seminal moments in my life, like Mega Drive. Yes, yes. VHS. Awesome. Well, the moment you then said I'm nearly forty, I'm like, I'm going to talk Mega Drive. <laughs> some of the bands I talk to are like kids, and they're like, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, what are you on about, Granddad? Like, yeah. what I'm do you like, mean VHS? Yeah, like what? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What the about? fuck are you talking about? Tape. But what? This feels good. Yeah. And um, I feel like you guys, even though you're three albums in, even though you're very honest with me today and you're wearing your heart on your sleeve, it feels like with this album, for me, you're just starting a new journey. I, I'd agree. And I feel like you're just setting out. Like, yeah. I feel like in three or four years we'll meet again and I'll be like, remember when we said that this uh, 2000 Trees yeah. was the starting point? I truly believe that. It doesn't take so. away from anything you've done. Yeah, no, I But I think so. this album's a statement and you've Thank really you. fucking hit it hard and now you should be reaping the award, like rewards from it. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's what I want to see, man. Thank you. It means a lot. Like, I, And, you know, we Sanjay, our bassist, said it. I, I think he basically said summed up what you said there where you said this what was meant to be the last album has almost become like the prototype of where we go next or and i'm not that's not to say that the aesthetic of the next album will be exactly the same but they're the blueprint of what our band is we don't so our identity i feel like our identity is being that band that continually changes record from record and there's a, a theme that runs through it, which is us as musicians, but the aesthetic changes and it's still us. And it's fucking hard to do that. It's really hard, but that's what I want to do. do you know, I know you don't know me, but my three of my favorite bands, not ever, but three bands that I always will go and buy their music is Radiohead, yeah. uh, Paramore, I don't yeah. give a fuck what people say, and Thrice. Yeah. Because they evolve. Yeah, yeah. They never play it safe. Yeah. They never does an album saying like sound the same. They lose respect and fans because like, oh, you're not Paramore anymore. You're not playing heavy stuff. But it's like no, because we're going for the Fleetwood Mac era. Yeah. Thrice are like, no, we don't want to play the fucking heavy shit anymore because actually I can sing and I want to play some proper songs exactly, melodically, like yeah. with melody. And that's why I respect you because don't play it safe. Don't just fucking be. And I'm not going to mention bands because I don't want to be, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, but some bands are the same album every single time and it works. 
but I want to hear you evolve. I want to hear that your drummer's got better. I want to hear your guitarist has explored himself and bought more fucking pedals. Yeah. And that's why these bands for me are timeless. I'll always buy Radiohead albums because I know they're not going to just do the bends again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you guys won't repeat the same album. No, no, absolutely not. Because, you know, well, you know, I don't know. I think it's very easy to talk about, like, you know, to apply your principles and your outlook on life or art to other other people and so maybe to, so there will be artists who are happy to do that they just like playing and you know not, again not trying to sound like a, a slight on anyone else no, of course not you want to play like generic you know by the numbers because it's got them to where music. they are yeah, so well, why change they, it and maybe they, that's what really really interests them is just having like you know Again, not to cast aspersions, but like blast beats and breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. I love all that. I love all of that stuff. I love listening to it, but it doesn't excite me to to, to play it. Maybe it does for, for for other people, and that's totally fine. But yeah, you know, it's just yeah, Radiohead and you know, like the Chariot for me. Yeah, are like just refuse to an extent seeing what's possible like what's possible and like The Shape of Punk to Come is one of the bravest albums of all time yeah, yeah. because they went against everything that they should do they had fucking samples and like string sections and jazz pieces in the middle of stuff and then they throw out new noise but then there's not another song on that album that sounds like new noise No, no. and for me Dennis when he wrote that album for me change music like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't I give agree. a fuck what the textbook says I'm doing it my way and look it paid off yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree and you know it, and that was one of the albums that kind of informed my kind of puerile approach to, yeah. to the band which is like write do a what you write, want write, write, write a shape of punk to come play to fucking no one your last show ever play in a fucking basement to no one and then 10 years later, everyone's going, this is a fucking masterpiece that yeah. has, you know, this is a masterpiece that has informed and inspired some of the greatest music in, in that Ever. kind of, yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, again, that's a bit fucking childish, but that, that was it. And, you know, I think, yeah, that is, for me, that's what it's, a, it's about. I would love, I would fucking love to be able to do this full time and play to bigger crowds and, and all that, but. You know, I I'd be quite happy to stop when I can't do it anymore, knowing that I have a back catalogue of you know creative and art an artistically considered music. That's that's that'll be my my gold disc or my platinum disc or whatever. That's beautiful. Thank you. The last question I ask you today is: everyone that comes on the podcast gets to choose the final song that's played. Okay. It can be any song, any band, but a piece of music that means something to you. Okay. As a singer, as a songwriter, as a musician, people find it difficult because you've had music shape your whole life. Yeah, yeah. But is there, when I ask the question, a song that came before any other that you would love to be played after today's interview? Well, I'm going to do it backwards. So, like, there's a, so there's, there's a, the song, there's, a, there's one song in particular that kind of informed Galore, which is You Were Made For Me by Freddie and the Dreamers. Um, which is like a beautiful love song and that was the song that I would sing to my wife's belly when my child was in there I didn't we didn't know the sex um, until until they were born and um, and that kind of that I listen to that song now and it just reminds me of him and it was a song that I listened to when I was writing the album about like loving him and ex being unafraid to express love freely and without you know without any concern to like people thinking oh that's a little bit too icky like it's like fucking love my son man i love dude I 281 love episodes i spoke to fucking everyone on the planet it feels like some days that's the best reason for a song choice i've had <laughs> because that's real that's beautiful and fuck it if you love your son which you should fucking do yeah we had a conversation on here today literally me and my friend who's the audio podcast people out there need to know i'm sat by someone who's been with me all day today called harley on the way here we drove here and i said i'm sick of people being cool and not admitting that they love their wife or yeah, their partner yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's cool to be like oh yeah she's a I adore my fucking wife. I love yeah, her more yeah. than anything. She's my proudest possession in the whole <laughs> wide world. And I am so fucking glad to hear you say that today. Weirdly, on the day we had this conversation, because yeah. embrace the fucking love. Well, yeah, you know. And, like, you know, we, I have been outwardly aggressive for the majority of, of my life. You know, through, like, environmental factors growing up in cer certain places and 
being kind of um, exposed to violence quite a lot and and I allowed that to become part of my stage persona for quite a while and I was kind of you know quite abrasive and confrontational um, and really really I'm just like super super almost like you know over emotional like I get you know and and I get overwhelmed. I cry more than any fucking man is probably socially acceptable. Uh, you know, to a level that is not probably socially acceptable. I fucking weep. I hold my son and I cry because it's too much. And like, you know, I thought, fuck it. Like, I'm not, you know, that, fuck it. That is, that's who I am. That is who we I am. We had this conversation on the way yeah, here that's today. Who I am, and I'm not. And like, I'm fucking proud of it. Yeah, like I don't, don't fucking you know, knock me. I'm for also, being you know, I'm still a horrible, aggressive bastard <laughs> as well. But like, but like deep down, I'm just like fucking, you know, like a big soft, soft child, and um, and I just thought, why not? Like, why not just let that side of yourself come out a little bit? And I'm, I feel better for it. I feel. I do. I feel fucking like I'm not hiding anything or wearing a mask. Like I can yeah. be me. And if you don't agree with it or you don't like it, get over it because I'm going to be me. And it's then less energy to try and be someone else. Well, exactly. You know, I, my son was on the side of the stage, and we finished our, we finished the set, and we finished our last song, and I was like, I'm just going to get him out. I'm going to get him out, and I'm going to let him see what I often get to experience because it's beautiful and I want him to see that from the age of two and there'll be some and you did that knowing that there would be some people in the crowd who'd be like oh it's a little bit oh, it's a little bit sickly I couldn't give a fuck no like I couldn't give a fuck I've just had I've just shared a moment with my son which has come about through me dedicating my life to something that I love and I got to share that fucking three minutes with him on stage and now he will be able to look back and see photos and I was, videos. I was literally about to say, imagine like, the day that he's like, what's this photo, Dad? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, we fucking did that together. And this is what, if you find something that you love, fucking just commit to it fully. And regardless of like whether we're going to get bigger or not, that those moments are what, that's my currency. And you've now. captured that moment. That's my currency. Yeah. That's those experiences through music are my success now and to creativity and being afforded the opportunity to have those experiences and to share that moment with my son it's just fucking like you know priceless absolutely priceless and you know and I'm totally at ease with that like if some people find that uncomfortable fucking no one go and see a, go and see a therapist yeah, like, yeah. You know, go and see a therapist now, like, yeah. you know fuck it it's, it's the best thing like you know they always say I always I love my wife same as you I love my wife and then and then all my friends who had kids were like once you have a kid it's like it's a different it's a different beat and I and I feel like I do feel like that he came along and my heart before he was born was very much like a blast beat <laughs> and now it's like a tranquil waltz it's just like a very you know you know it's just just yeah it's the greatest thing ever and and like and without him i wouldn't have made this album and and yeah it's just beautiful what a beautiful chat what a beautiful <laughs> interview well, i wasn't expecting this because i don't know you yeah but uh, i feel like i know you a lot better well, and i, uh, I appreciate you coming on and chatting and um i want our past to Look, man, you you got Matt. We got these people who are in common. This world's smaller than I realise every day. When our paths cross again, whatever show it is, let's have a drink. Let's yeah, sit for down. Yeah, sure, man. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for coming no, on, man. Thank you, thank man. You, dude. Really, Pleasure. really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Holly. Thank you so much. So that brings us to the end of this special. Three amazing bands, and thank you so much to each and every one who came on the podcast. Dead Pony, Headers for Heroes, and the St. Pierre Snake Invasion. A real range of guests, and this is only the second special of a series of specials that I'm going to be bringing you over the next few days to celebrate my time at 2000 Trees. For me, it's one of the best festivals in the UK. I was lucky enough to be on stage myself twice over the weekend on two separate podcast sets, and it was a dream come true. It was an amazing event. All my friends were there. I had some great people backstage, and there's too many people to thank, so I'll save that for the closing special that I bring you at the end of the week. But what I do want to say now that if you've enjoyed today's episode, please take the time to share it. You can do this on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all those links are on markandme.com. I make it so easy for you guys to share, and it really goes a long way. 
I don't ask for any money for these podcasts. It's not this subscription service or anything like that. These are all out of my own hard work and effort and time. But I want to give you something special. And for anyone that wasn't at the festival, hopefully give you a flavour of what you do get if you go to 2000 Trees. But if you were there, then you hopefully get to hear these and then remember the good times from the last weekend we've all just shared together. I also do have a Patreon page if you do want to give back on there there's a link on markandme.com and for as little as something like a pound a month you get some badges, you get an exclusive episode each and every month, a newsletter, some stickers and so much more and all that allows me to go out there and then do these festivals across the country to give you guys at home more episodes so really it's a win-win and it's a massive help for me. I'll be back tomorrow with another 2000 Trees special and it's going to be really, really special. I'm not going to give anything away, but you've only got to wait 24 hours. But in the meantime, thanks for listening to this. I hope everyone's happy. I hope everyone's safe. Look after each other and I'll speak to you all very soon. Down now.